Are you ready? It's that time! Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you listen to this podcast. Uh, for Josh right now, it's currently about 9.15 a.m., so if he doesn't sound like he's fully put together, it's because he's not. It's a Monday. Um, this is why we record on Thursdays, usually. Yeah, that way he at least gets uh, four days' worth of recuperation from the uh brain dump that often is a Sunday morning. Um anyway, I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Benjamin Olschlager, aka Pastor Ben, uh out here in Lake Orion, Michigan. With me again, as always, Pastor Josh Laborius of uh Edgewater Lutheran Church in Eastvale, California. Um and uh today is July 3rd. And so Josh wanted to do something. Oh, by the way, this is last week we recorded an episode to be released tomorrow, tomorrow. the 4th of July. And we, you know, brilliantly said this is uh, season four, episode one, and then got on this call today and decided, you know what? We're going to scrap that. Well, we're not going to scrap that. We're going to release it a week late. Um, and this will now be season four, episode one. Um, or uh, depending on how I'm feeling when I list it, uh, the last episode of season three. <laughs> so if we didn't make explicit reference to the chronology in uh, in the episode last week, we have now. So, but as is the theme of this this show, uh, we do what we want, and you can't stop us. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes we can't stop ourselves. So, um, like this, like this specific thing uh, that you know, there might be some questionable wisdom in picking up this topic, and uh, but we're going to do it anyway because uh, we can't help ourselves. It so this episode is going to release on July fourth. If you're listening to this, that means it's at least July fourth, depending on how uh, how prompt you are on listening to man buns and jesus episodes and we figured it would be appropriate to talk about america kind of uh more specifically how do we as christians um how do we deal with our country how do we deal with our kind of patriotism uh when does it become idolatry like Where's the line where, okay, it's okay to celebrate our country up until a certain point, or is there a point? And, uh, well, spoiler alert, there is a point. There's definitely a point where it's like, this is too much celebration of our country. Um, and what I would love to kick this off with is... Uh, what I would love to kick this off with is, you don't need to set off so many fireworks. My dog is terrified of them. 
I so, was actually like, just going to say fireworks are perfectly acceptable within range celebration. <laughs> I'm I'm mostly joking. This is purely driven out of selfish intent, but you uh, set off as many explosions in the sky as you want on 4th of July. Hmm. Colorful, colorful celebratory explosions. Let's say, let's maybe. People like lose limbs and fingers and lives every year on Fourth of July. Don't don't be stupid about it, right? Like, uh, read all the safety information. Um, be an adult with some sense of wisdom, and have a designated firework user, like like one would have a designated driver. Right. If you're 12 beers in, you should not be lighting off fireworks. And I would be care. I haven't looked into this because I don't actually care uh, very much. I would be curious of all of those injuries, how many of them involved someone who was intoxicated? Because I'd be willing. 90%. Yeah, a fair number of them. It's probably because someone was making. They were combining I'm, fire and alcohol, and that's a bad I made thing. up that number, but it feels right. <laughs> it feels like it might be on point. Um, this episode's not all about fireworks, but I guess that's as good a place as any to start. Um, I've, I've struggled with this. At, uh, at a place that I've been previously, every morning, because it was a school. Are you moving on from fireworks? I am, unless you want. To... I do want to say something else about fireworks. Oh, by all means. Okay. Oh, and so... as a as a note, fireworks don't bother my dog at all. So, your dog is also like the most fish out of water dog that you could ever experience. It's a husky living in Southern California. Yes, a lazy husky, no less, which is an aberration. Yes. Um. Anyway. The point that I wanted to make about fireworks is there, I mean, there is still a line. Um, I did my vicarage in Omaha, Nebraska, which for five days every year basically legalizes everything firework related. Um, some of the best firework shows that I've ever experienced, I got to be there for two Fourth of Julys. And some of the best firework shows that I ever experienced were those two Fourth of Julys sitting next to the froze, closed frozen yogurt shop near my apartment in Omaha and just watching the neighborhood across the valley from me go bonkers. Um, but I also know how much some of those people spent on fireworks every year. Uh, that's fair. There, there's probably a point where it becomes a stewardship issue. Yes. So, set off as many shooty shooty boom booms as you want, as long as it doesn't impact your ability to love and serve your neighbor through wise uses of your resources. Yeah. That's... My pastor's neighbor that had an annual firework budget of $10,000. Yeah. I don't have an annual anything budget of ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I guess that was a bit, I pay more than ten grand a year in rent. That was a bit much, um, and I think anyone listening to this podcast will probably agree with me. That seems like a bit much. Just uh, yeah, yeah. 
So where I grew up, uh, Warner Robins, Georgia is an Air Force town. Like Robins Air Force Base is is right there. Um, so they did, they the city put on a huge fireworks show every year. And like it was it was the show that was broadcast on Armed Forces Network. Like it was a it was a big deal. Um and for most of like while I was in high school, middle school, what they did is they had a uh, a countywide football stadium. Uh, three three high schools shared this stadium. Gigantic stadium, right? Seats, many thousands of people. And across the street was a practice was a practice field for one of the schools. So what they would do is they would have the they would have a concert and they'd have essentially a big party in the football stadium. And then they'd fire off fireworks across the street from the practice field because it was a big open space where they could do their setup and kind of be safely away from everyone and, and buildings and stuff like that. That was really cool. And I wouldn't be opposed to more of that where maybe you as an individual don't go buy it. $10,000 worth of uh, fireworks, but maybe some organization says, we're going to throw a party and have a fireworks show, which I know is done, like, that's done all over the country. So, uh, fireworks, good place to start. Everybody likes fireworks. That's not true. Everybody doesn't like fireworks. Uh, I like fireworks. Ben likes fireworks. Ben's dog does not like fireworks. So, um, in any case, uh, going back to the, the anecdote I was teeing up, um, there is a school, and every morning, as a lot of schools do, they start off with the Pledge of Allegiance. And then they followed it by uh, the Christian Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the cross? Yeah, well, I pledge allegiance. To the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No... I think it was to the Christian flag. Interesting. That one I don't know. I, I mean, I don't remember it. But I kind of wrestled with how seriously I can take the words of the Pledge of Allegiance. Because, and like, don't, I, I don't have any pro, I'm not anti-America, right? I'm, I, I do love this country. I'm, I feel really blessed that I get to live here. However, I say I'm I'm pledging allegiance to the flag and and to the country it stands for. Um, that's a conditional allegiance because if push comes to shove and it's my my faith for whatever reason and whatever circumstances put me at odds with the country, my allegiance does not lie with the country I live in. It lies with the faith I profess and the God behind that and that's something i wrestled with i was like i i don't know if i can honestly speak this because even if that's purely theoretical right even if i go my entire life and there's never a situation where those two are completely irreconcilably at odds my words aren't fully honest if i'm saying that right because there is there is a condition where my allegiance won't hold um and there are some things that happen and there are some ways people talk about their country that i'm curious if 
if push came to shove, is your allegiance with your nation or is your allegiance with your faith? And even if it is with your faith, if, if things you're doing or saying are leading me to ask that question, uh, we, we, we might have a problem with the witness that we're, we're putting out. Um, and Ben, yeah, you can jump off whenever you want, but Ben, um, I think it's you who told me this statistic that like someone found that people's beliefs align, like when they, they surveyed a bunch of people and people's beliefs align more closely with their political parties, with their view of what the nation should be than it did with their church. So like you, you might say, oh, no one would choose nation over church. But the reality is, the lived reality is, a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was something like 90% of people that claim to be both religiously devout and um, have a political party their beliefs more closely aligned with their their politics than their faith. Um, granted, there are groups within most major religions where you can find a branch of that religion that almost perfectly mirrors a political party right well and even that study the statistic is probably skewed right because of how you're defining because like if you were to ask me i wouldn't be included in that study because i am not a card carrying member of any political party like if you were to ask me i'd say i i don't identify myself with one um, yeah regardless of whether or not i tend to vote one way or the other I, i'm not a beholden to, so like the statistic is probably skewed, but there's still this reality that is your country more important to you than your faith? And where's and whether or not that's the reality, what's the perception? Like when when you're taking actions to celebrate or to talk about your country, when are you uh, communicating to people that your country is more important to you than anything else? Yeah, I I think maybe an interesting place to kind of start to think about this is posture. Um, as as I sit here and slouch, um, and I think about this in terms of just what I've seen lately. So, uh, as a big baseball fan and a specifically a big Minnesota Twins fan. Uh, the Twins were here in Detroit uh, a week and a half ago. And my wife and I went to a couple of games. Um, and both times we walked in as the national anthem was being sung. Um, and as a guy, I'm asked to stand and remove my hat. Um, and face the flag. Um, Which is sometimes kind of hard to find. As a side note, yeah. I've been to a lot of venues where they're like, stand and face the flag. And I'm like, where? I, I a sign that points me to it. 
I I kind of vaguely pointed in the direction of the outfield because I don't remember exactly where it's at it at America Park, the, the Tigers home field, but um I thought about after that just about everyone around me was doing the same thing. And like we are culturally trained to stand and reverence the flag when we hear the national anthem or when we speak the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, which I'm guessing most of us did in grade school. Um, and with, 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 cause I, I want to be, I, I don't want anyone to hear things we're not saying. Um, we're not necessarily, like, it's not a bad thing to play the national anthem. I, I no. don't even really, like, there's nothing really wrong with standing and facing the flag. Uh, but it can communicate or it, like the the cultural conditioning that Ben is talking about is something we should maybe be more cognitively aware of, because yeah. while that's not harmful, um, something that could be more harmful is: are we doing things we shouldn't, or treating people we shouldn't because of they're a perceived threat, or because they're outsiders to that, or even just like to me. It was striking that we're so good at culturally conditioning ourselves to that, but culturally conditioning ourselves to um, like a similar level of reverence in a worship setting is far more difficult. That's an interesting truth. Because like you you go to a ball game every drunk frat bro is standing at attention facing the flag during the national anthem and when i encourage people to stand up as we listen to the gospel i'm not saying every sunday and i'm not saying every person but i can find more people in the congregation that I serve here, that on occasion are not particularly reverent to that situation, um, more easily than I can find somebody who's not reverent to the flag at a ball game. That's a that I that's a crazy comparison, but I think it's spot on. Um, oh, geez. I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to cross this bridge. Oh, we're going to do it. Um, we're crossing the Rubicon, folks. We're someone might was, smack me after this. Um, that was a history reference that I don't know if anyone's going to catch. I now I'm tempted to explain the history reference for for anyone who's not familiar. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this. Uh, the Rubicon is the river that Caesar crossed that marked, like, I am now taking the army into Rome. That was the point of, like, of absolute no return. 
he had crossed, and it was either he was going to take over or he was going to be put to death. Like those were the two options at that point. <laughs> well, so because <laughs> I've had this conversation recently with a gentleman in our congregation who he gets frustrated because in in the congregation there is what I think would be fair to describe as a lack of reverence. There are people who are making coffee and eating and going outside and um, and all these other things while the service is going on or even doing something like where they're sitting, they, they have something. And, you know, I know there's a balance between, and we have bathrooms that are just in the back of the room we use. And when those toilets flush, <laughs> You, everyone in the room very much knows that a toilet just flushed. And with all of that, I, there's, there is a balance where like, if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom, um, especially for an hour long service. Um, coffee, I, there is less of an argument, I think for you have to have your coffee right now in the middle of the service um, or whatever else you're doing that it has to take place right then and there. But the reality is a lot of those things you wouldn't catch people doing during the national anthem. Uh, even, I mean, I guess I'm not at concession stands very often during the national anthem, but like people stop what they're doing for the national anthem. And uh, unless a like hot dog is about to explode and shoot like searing right. hot grease onto somebody, most of the people in the concession stand stop too. Well, and I think there's a fair point of like, there are certain things that they just need to happen. And like, if you work at a stadium, like uh, you're, you're, especially if you work behind the scenes, you're probably not stopping for the national anthem, which kind of, I mean, if we're asking for that same level of reverence in a, in a service, yeah, there are things that need to get taken care of. Um, and they're especially for people who are kind of working or even if volunteering on a Sunday morning, there are certain things that need to get taken care of. But I, if you were to say that here are our expectations for reverence and worship, or I shouldn't say if you, if I were to say, here are our expectations for reverence and worship, you're going to show up on time, you're going to be dressed in a way that is respectful to what we're doing. Um, you are going to actually pay attention through the whole service. You're going to sing with the with the songs and and engage with the service, and that is going to be your your sole focus for an hour. Your donuts, your coffee, your uh, everything else is going to wait till after the service, or you get here early and take care of it before the service. If I were to say that, the response I, I suspect would be something along the lines of. Like what? What are you doing? Why are you? Uh, why are you being such a stickler about this stuff? Like, uh, does isn't it? Isn't what really matters just that we're here and we're hearing the gospel and we're being in this community? And there's some truth to that, but the reality is, uh, as, now that Ben's pointed this comparison out, I can't unsee that that we take our reverence for the flag more seriously than we take reverence during worship. And I'm I'm gonna hold that against you, Ben, because that's gonna that's gonna bother me now. Mm -hmm. Like every time at a I'm at a hockey game and they do the national anthem, I'm gonna look around and I'm gonna be like, 
people are being more respectful here than sometimes happens. And and for those of you in my congregation, right? I'm, I'm not trying to put anybody on blast, but there is a reality that sometimes some of us are less focused than we should be, or are less, let's use the word reverent than we should be. Um, yeah, when you get into those comparisons between country and religion, it's it's kind of crazy to think about. Because um, I don't, I think for most Christians, if you were to ask, what is more important, your faith in Jesus Christ or the United States of America? I would, I hope this isn't just me being an idealist. I hope most of them would say my faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But do our actions reflect that? Um, not to open the cans of worms that he does, uh, but but there's a there's a rapper. I think it's KB who does. He's a Christian rapper, and he has a line. Um, it's yes, I love my neighbor more than I love his papers. And the, what he's drawing attention to is like my concern for my neighbor is more important to me than his citizenship. I think in general, it's probably Josh and I in seminary face this question in a number of our classes. Like, what is what is your responsibility and to whom when you're given the dis or like given the choice between honoring the civil authorities in your life and your neighbor and the immediate I, I looked up the line it's yes i love the kingdom more than i love my nation yes i love my neighbor more than i love his papers continue anyway um the the answer was pretty much always what is in more what is in greater proximity to you what is closer to you um if you are an agent of the government if you work in law enforcement if you work uh in the halls of congress if you are on your local planning commission um whatever the case may be you're much you're much closer in that specific circumstance to government than most people um and this may not apply quite as directly to you right but for the majority of us who don't work in, in local government and don't work in law enforcement our primary concern is not our government it's our neighbor um and what that means to me is let's start with a silly example um my neighbor goes like three weeks without mowing their lawn suddenly it's in violation of what are they called no we don't have an hoa um it's just in violation of of city code um and so we could call code enforcement on them um they could get fined and, and forced to pay somebody to mow their lawn 
Well, if I went over there and like figured out why the lawn wasn't mowed, maybe they broke a hip at work a couple weeks ago. Maybe I bust out my lawnmower and I go mow it for them. Because my neighbor is more important than my government. Yeah. And you can grow that considerably to the to the lyric that Josh is speaking to. Um, there are a number of people in this country who are not here through perfectly legal means. But a lot of them are here because they are running from real things. Yeah. Um, and, and if we don't if we don't know who those neighbors are before we involve our government in whatever is going to happen, we may end up causing more damage than we'd hope. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of cousins. One of them, I think, still works for this organization. can't remember the name of the group off the top of my head. But it's an organization out of Chicago that works with kids in the immigration system. Um, especially kids in the immigration system who don't have anywhere to go within the states as they wait for asylum cases. Um, and they heard just story after story after story of, you know, someone in my family or someone in my neighborhood got brutally murdered by a cartel or um, a local warlord or whatever the case may be. Um, and my family is here because we don't want to be the next one. Or my family sent me here to live with a very distant relative because they didn't want me to be the next one. Um, and that, I think it's it's important for us to understand that that story is is very, is a lot more common than we maybe give it credit for. Um, and by putting government ahead of neighbor, I think we can sometimes miss those stories and miss our honestly more important calling to serve those neighbors rather than serve our government. Yeah. And we, I mean, and as best as we are able, we are called to do both. We are yes. called to uphold the yeah, law. Absolutely. We are called to be, to be good citizens, um, which kind of circles back to like patriotism is appropriate, right? Sometimes. Um, Sometimes. Well, I think with, I'm operating with the definition where patriotism at, uh, is like, patriotism stops when nationalism starts. And I, if, I, if you're drawing a distinction like that, um, I'm comfortable saying patriotism is fine. Nationalism is when we, it's when the nation has become an idol. Instead mm, of right. something I appreciate. So like patriotism is the cheerleader, nationalism is the 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 all in sold out over the top. Yeah, the fanboy. Um so because like there's a lot to celebrate in this country. Mm -hmm. The standard of living here, uh it's by world standards is phenomenal. Right, we're we're incredibly blessed. We have um, an abundance of a lot of resources. It's like our our country is is a great place to live, and we have a lot to be thankful for. And on July Fourth, we kind of set this day aside to be thankful for 
our country. And it's entirely appropriate to thank God for the freedoms we have, for the place we get to live, for all of the benefits that come with that. Um, so that is appropriate. And to have a 4th of July party, great. That's, I, I see nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think that's a great opportunity to give thanks to God for the gifts that he's given us through the country. Mm -hmm. The thing we just have to steer clear of is the country is, should not be an idol. Mm -hmm. you, you should never fear or love or trust the country in the country more than you fear, love, and trust God. Mm -hmm. um, and to circle back to the Pledge of Allegiance, when the values of the country come in conflict with the values of the faith, one of those is the correct way to go. <laughs> And it's not the country, right? Um, One thing that I think causes this to be a bigger issue than we maybe want it to be is around service in the armed forces. Um, it's the military does great job with marketing. Uh, that you are serving your country. Um, and to a, to an extent, you are, right? When you when somebody joins the military and they go into battle, they put their nation's flag on their shoulder or on their chest um, or on their helmet, depending on what branch and what uniform you're given. Um, and you you serve as a part of the armed forces of that country. Um, and our country has done a pretty good job of honoring those people. Um, maybe not necessarily always of supporting them, but certainly of honoring them. Um, we have specific days for uh, the people who've passed as a part of uh, their armed or their, their service in the armed forces. We have another day for those who retired from the armed forces, and we have another one for those actively serving in the armed forces. Um, but I think, I'd be curious, I genuinely don't know what the answer to this is. I'd be curious to what extent the people that serve in the armed forces are getting into it out of a sense of duty and pride to their country and how many of them are doing it out of a sense of duty and, and pride to serve their neighbors and their family. Um, and I think the same can be said for a lot of public service. Um, Another mm -hmm. example would be police officers. Uh, and I know I know we have one we have one officer in our and my apologies because I, I don't remember what rank he is. I don't know if officer is even the right term. Um, but he he serves uh, in the police force. And I've talked to him about it and the reason that he does that is to protect and serve the, the people of the community. Um, and if that is the reason you're stepping into a line of work like that, that is entirely in line with our faith. 
mm-hmm. when, when it is to protect and serve our neighbors. Um, I mean, honestly, I think the I, same thing would be said for any role of like, if you're stepping yeah. into the political arena, if you're mm-hmm. doing it to serve your neighbor and to help guide the country in faithful decisions, by all means, uh, I will pray for you. If you're doing it for power or because you have a particular agenda you want to get through, um, I will still pray for you, but maybe something very different. In a different way, uh, maybe that your heart gets changed a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, another example: um, public school teachers. Um, your desire is to educate the the people in our community, and you're going to do so in a faithful way, and I love that. Um, that is an incredible calling that that God puts on some people's hearts. Um, but if you're doing it because you want good citizens of the United States, like, I don't know if I know anyone that that's necessarily a problem for, but like, I guess it could be somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean. Well, and even that, I think it depends on how you define good citizen. If you define good citizen as someone who serves their community and is responsible with like, I'm like, I, they're consistent. Maybe the reasoning is a little off, but like, that's still a, a faithful pursuit. Yeah. Um, I do know some teachers who are like, I just want good neighbors. Like I want educated, like kind, humble neighbors. And Same. I'm like, you know what? That's, I dig that. I dig that. Um, but like on yeah, on the flips, I if you're trying to just indoctrinate kids to become a good American, like I don't like I said, I don't know if I know any of the, any of these, but like don't don't. Yeah, the only thing that really we should indoctrinate kids with is doctrine of <laughs> the church, of of like faithful theology. Yeah. Like if you ask me what do I do uh when it comes to middle school catechesis i am trying to indoctrinate kids i'm trying to teach them the doctrine of the church like that and if anyone's listening to this they're like pastor's trying to indoctrinate kids yeah i'm trying to indoctrinate adults too so like if you didn't know that now you know that i'm not not gonna hide this from you yeah it's like it's actually a major part of my job uh the calling of the church is to make disciples which is indoctrinating people yeah so you're trying to indoctrinate your faith and i'm like yes that's exactly what i'm trying so, to do here's a here's a thought that i just had that dangerous i think is relevant this is dangerous um so you talked about the 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 purpose of the church, at least, is in part to create disciples. Yes. We just started a Bible study here a couple of weeks ago looking at what it really means to be a disciple. Um, in the first week, we took a look at just what a disciple was in that day and time. Um, and there were three pieces of the definition. One. A student, you're going to learn. You're going good stuff's going to happen and go in your brain. Um, two, you're called to be an imitator. So, like, disciples would 
fully imitate the life of the the person that they were following. They would eat the same things. They would fall into the same habits of sleeping and and studying. Um, you were trying to make your life look as as close as possible to the one you were imitating. And three, you wanted to be something like an apprentice. That is, you wanted to gain the skills necessary to the point where you would become a master, um, you would become a teacher, and you would gain your own disciples. As disciples of Christ, our call then is to learn as much as we can about his teaching, what he wants for us, uh, aka doctrine. Um, so it is good to indoctrinate ourselves. Uh, two, we're then called to imitate him as much as is possible. Um, yeah, you're not going to get magic Healy powers. Yeah. Which is not a great way to describe those, but... Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we should go with divine healing powers. Um, uh, divine Healy powers. Okay. Don't get formal on me, Benjamin. Now I'm just now I'm just imagining some kid with a halo and angel wings flying through a mall in in Heelys. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know what Heelys are, they're shoes with built-in wheels so that you can kind of like, yourself. yeah, so so that you can severely injure yourself. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, And then lastly, we're called to be apprentices, which we're never truly going to become masters as disciples of Christ because you can't. You can't. You just, you, you can't. So we're always going to be in the apprentice stage, but we want to do as best we can to get like close um, because that's our calling. Um, uh, as, uh, as Lowe's says, never stop improving. Yeah, or as uh, Paul says, to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Or die trying, which is what we're all going to do. Yes, exactly. But if we apply that same metric to being an American, which one are you putting more effort into? And could there be some idolatry there? Yeah. And I think for most of our listeners, you're probably in a good place. Like of, of the people I know who listen to this podcast, right? I, I, would, I would classify most, if not all of you, as patriotic, but not uh, nationalistic, not, not idolizing the nation but appreciating it which i think is a good place to land but it's worth thinking about like that that reverence to the flag versus reverence in church is going to live rent free in my head like that's worth thinking about um because what are the things we do without really thinking about them what do they communicate uh regardless of what the intentions are so mm -hmm. um Unless you have anything else, that seems as, as good a place as any to, to start to wrap up a little bit. I think uh, I think I'm good there. Um, 
You got a takeaway for us? Not really. More so like a note. Um, use this 4th of July as an opportunity to pray for a lot of things happening in our country. Um, pray for our leaders. Pray for those who serve. Um, government jobs, unless you're like in the halls of Congress or president, they're not very cushy most times. Um, kind of thankless. So um, pray a prayer of thanks for those who are willing to use their talents to serve in the public sector rather than um, making bank. Um, pray for those who uh, serve our communities, um, whether it be in emergency services and the armed forces and um, whatever other roles are around trash collectors uh those who work for the utilities like there are so many things that people do that are just kind of under the surface that we don't necessarily give credit for um and then lastly pray for the leadership of this country whether you like them or not and like pray that god faithfully uses them whether or not you like them. Yeah. Um, my takeaway is actually kind of in a similar vein, and that is... That wasn't even my takeaway. That was just a oh. note. Well, I'm going to jump off with my takeaway. Go for it. And that is reframe the 4th of July as not just appreciation to your country or a celebration of your country, but an appreciation and a celebration for God's gifts in the form of the country that we get to live in together. Mm -hmm. And it's, it sounds kind of like just a, a word game shift, but I, I think it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile saying I'm, I'm going to light off this firework in a responsible and sober way to, uh, to celebrate God's gifts here in the United States of America. 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 Um, I think my takeaway is what are you a disciple of? Like, what are you doing a better job learning from being an imitator of being an apprentice to the United States or Jesus? And if um, you really want to pull out your hair. And you want to you want to really think about what's discipling you? Read "Desiring the Kingdom" by James K. A. Smith. Yeah, and then when your brain has melted out your nose and onto the table in front of you, scoop it back into a tray. Go see your local neurologist before coming to see us, your pastor. Just want to make sure that there's something left for us to actually work with when we have that conversation with you. Yeah. Also, I would be an advocate. Read the first half of the book and uh, and just don't bother with the second half. Yeah. Because his reasoning is really good. And then he draws conclusions that I'm like, you jumped a whole bunch of steps. Yeah. <laughs> you should. That's accurate. Anyway. That's accurate. Um, if you get through the first chapter, I'll be proud of you. Yeah. You can leave it there. It's interesting. Um, on, to the, on to the passive aggressive part of the show. Yay! Uh, <laughs> If someone you know is is possibly struggling with this, um, send them this podcast and encourage them to give it give it a listen with as open a mind as possible. 
um, because we think that this is a real problem that exists in our world. It's not everybody everywhere, but it's there. there. Are few and they're loud. Yeah. Um, alternatively, send this podcast to someone who needs a reminder that you should not light fireworks while intoxicated. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you got this far and you need that reminder, this this is officially your reminder. Don't light fireworks off if you're intoxicated. Thank you. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to become Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah. Although he continued to have an NFL career, so. Yeah. He, he did all right after the fact. In any case, uh, please like, follow, subscribe, share, what all that stuff that we're supposed to plug at the end of podcasts. Uh, a more exciting thing to plug, if you would like a Man Buns and Jesus shirt, you can now purchase a Man Buns and Jesus shirt. You go to edgewaterlutheran.org slash gear, and it is one of the options on that page, and it has our uh, our faces silhouetted on the front, and on the back it says uh, Man Buns and Jesus in my favorite podcast, so I'm wearing the host's faces on my shirt. It is supposed to be ridiculous. That was the goal. And that's why also it is the nicest t-shirt I could print it on, which does mean that it costs almost $30. Um, but if you really like Man Buns and Jesus, like really, really like it, by all means, buy the shirt. And if you do buy the shirt, please send our Facebook page a picture of you wearing it because I will laugh for a week straight that someone purchased and wore a Man Buns and Jesus shirt. Um, okay, we're done. We're done. Uh, go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.